This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This episode of the podcast is supported by Prevenex. This is where I get all of my vitamins and supplements. And if you are looking for a place to get your vitamins and supplements, your protein powder, look no further than Prevenex. They have clinically effective supplements that promote longevity, performance, and everyday health. Now, one of their supplements that I want to tell you about as runners is the Joint Health Plus which delivers ingredients that are clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection on the market. I have had several people reach out to me on Instagram and tell me, hey, I was hesitant about the Joint Health Plus. I started taking it because I heard it on your podcast and it has helped me tremendously. I take it every single day. It helps with comfort and flexibility. I highly recommend it if you're looking for longevity in the sport. And do not sleep on their protein powder. It's delicious, and it provides you with a ton of minerals and vitamins that other protein powders do not. Go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER, and you'll get 15% off your order. All right, friends. Today, you are listening to episode 324, and I'm talking with Courtney Freyricks, who just made her second Olympic team as a steeplechaser for Team USA. Courtney runs with the Bowerman Track Club. She is a 2017 world silver medalist, a 2016 U.S. Olympian, and she also holds the American record in the steeplechase. I was really excited to see Courtney make her second Olympic team and wanted to have a quick catch-up post-trials pre-Olympics. Now, she's been on the show two other times, so if you want to get to know Courtney, definitely listen to episode 86 back in 2017. Wow, I cannot believe it's been that long. And she was also on episode 50 in 2017 as well with some of her Bowerman teammates. All right, friends, if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review and share it with your friends on social media. And also, I want to let you know, if you are a parent or helping raise kids, make sure you check out my parenting podcast, which is sort of new. It launched back in the fall. It's called, Why Is Everyone Yelling? I know if you're a parent, you've probably said that before. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Courtney Freyricks. All right, well, today on the podcast, we have returning guest Courtney Freyricks on the show. Welcome back, Courtney. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Congratulations on making your second Olympic team. Thank you. (laughs) How are you feeling? Good. Yeah. You know, I feel like there was a lot more pressure this time around going into the trials from five years ago. So um, to to just be back on the team just feels really amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I've wondered that a lot. Like five years ago, going into the trials, walk us back to that. What did you feel like then? Um, you know, really, I I felt like I just had very little expectations. You know, I just 
finished up my collegiate eligibility. I was a brand new pro running for the first time in the Bowerman uniform. And so um, there was really, no matter the result, that year was going to be one for the books for me. You know, I'd been a part of a national championship team in cross country and then won my own individual title on the track and set the collegiate record. And so there was so much to be proud of that the Olympic trials was kind of like the icing on the cake, no matter what. Um, and it was really about experience. Cause I was like, you know what, this would be really good moving forward on a professional career to have experienced an Olympic trials. But of course that didn't mean I didn't want to make the team. Like, um, <laughs> I absolutely, you know, knew that would be a really, really amazing way to start my professional career. So, um, yeah, definitely just felt like there was not near the pressure just since there'd been a lot of other things to be really proud of that year. Yeah. You know, I, I thought about that a lot with both you and Emma, uh, and Colleen, you know, before she decided not to run, it's like you, you and, and Emma specifically, you being an American record holder, um, and Emma kind of being so dominant over the years, you know, us as fans of the sport kind of were like, oh, yeah, Emma and Courtney have it locked in. Who's going to be number three, especially after Colleen drops? And so I'm curious how that affected your confidence and and also the pressure that that it put on you. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it gives you a lot of confidence that people believe in you, you know, and that there's almost expectation that you're going to be on the team, but then it adds a lot of pressure. It was like, I can't mess up. Like I'm, I'm supposed to do this, but at the end of the day, you still have to show up and do it. You know, we weren't handed a spot. Like we have to show up ready to go race just like everyone else. And so I really tried to put energy into that and remembering like, I mean, I thought my trials was over 500 meters in for about five seconds because I took a really hard fall. And I really tried to remember that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day you have to show up. And I think that's what makes the U S team so good across the board is like we have to practice showing up just to make our team we're not selected um just based off the descending order list so it was like you know take a take it with confidence that a lot of people really believe in you and that you've shown you belong on this team but you know use it as as practice to to be ready to know you have to be on on the day because that's what you know the olympics is all about too I totally forgot about your fall. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I want to talk about the prelims too. But um, yeah, once you fell though, it seemed like you were kind of like, okay, let's go. Like we got to get, we got to like break this pack up a little bit and like get this race going. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I, I anticipated the prelims to go quite a bit faster than, I mean, really ever. Um, and especially the last few years, you know, last few years it's, you know, I could win the prelim in 940 and it just take a kind of a, you know, a little quick last lap, but I was, you know, there are a lot of girls running in the nine thirties this year. Um, you know, I think people with three days between the prelim and the final will take advantage if the Olympic standard is within reach. Mm -hmm. And so I was definitely ready for the race to be faster. And, um, but that being said, I didn't necessarily, I, I read Emma, uh, or I read a quote from Emma. It was like, you know, you sort of crave the prelim being slower. Mm. And there's a lot of truth to that. Like, you know, your body, I, you like, I think at this point I've done so many like prelim finals, like there's a block in terms of like how the place you'll kind of go to and, you know, you're going to try to get through as easy as possible. Mm. So, you know, that was kind of my thought process with, you know, okay, I'll get to the front, but I'm not going to go, you know, really super hard. And then, you know, 17 women in any sort of heat is a lot. And especially the steeple, you're trying to get position. And 
you know, someone behind clipped my foot and I thought I was going to stay on top of my feet and all of a sudden I'm down. And, you know, I was really worried, you know, like I popped up pretty quick and I've fallen enough though in my life, like from gymnastics and stuff to know that sometimes like you're okay for like a few seconds or even a minute and then something really hurts. And so there was definitely some panic. I was like, I really hope like I'm just okay. And then I realized like once I was felt fine, I was like, I need to just take control of this and just no more messing around. We're just gonna, we're going to get through today. So I was like proud that I like stayed composed and, and just kind of shifted the focus to getting the job done versus like, you know, putting a lot of energy into what had happened because I couldn't change it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about the steeple. I mean, I, any of the shorter races too, I feel like somebody's always getting clipped or tripped up on the track mm-hmm. in the 800, the 15 even. Mm-hmm. Um, did you expect Grayson to like go so hard at the end? I mean, I was clear that she was going after that Olympic standard. And did you just kind of want to like, let me get my, let me secure my spot at this point. I don't want to push it. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, going into the last lap, I kind of glanced up at the board and realized we had a breakaway pack. Um, so the last 200, I had really tried to shut it down. But I also realized that the women behind me could get the standard. And so you kind of want to get out of the way. Yeah. So I kind of pulled to the side because I was like, you know what? This is really good for them. It's exciting. Like I want them to be able to do this and I don't want to stop it. So, um, yeah, I really shifted focus to, you know, getting through the race had already been more stressful than it needed to be. So I was like, I'm not going to sprint, but I was really excited for them because it takes a big stress off going into the final to just know you have that box checked. So no matter what happens in the final, like if you get top three, you're going. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I was thinking my heart was there for Grayson so much because, you know, and she placed sixth in the finals too. So like she really needed to grab that standard. Yeah. Although what did you guys ran? You finished in 911. Remind us what the standard for the steeple is. 930. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was well below then. Yeah, we actually ended up with like nine women under the standard in the race. Wow. Which was really exciting like that's the deepest U.S. steeple there's ever been it's so cool which is really cool yeah I'm curious what you think about like the how it's changed over the years like it has gotten considerably more competitive mm-hmm. I think it's so exciting and, and I think it's common to see it with Olympic years you know last time we saw this kind of depth was actually 2016 um we probably had gosh seven or eight women under 930 that year also a lot of women running in the 920s um you know emma set the american record that year so it's common to see it with olympic years and it was really neat to see you know the first push kind of being made by a lot of the collegiates i think that that Mm -hmm. set the standard and then you know you saw the pros being like okay well we're gonna step up too and you know it just makes it really exciting like uh, it's been fun to be a part of the the push at the front and so to kind of see the event continue to, to progress across all ranks, I think is just, it's what you want. It's going to make the event continue to grow. And, um, and I mean, that just speaks also for us women's distance running. Gosh, like, you know, the number of women under 15 right now, and then, you know, just that it took 402 to make the 1500 team, like just everything was just, just incredible. Talk about like, so your PR is like basically nine flat almost, right? And running at a nine eleven at the trials final, I imagine, you know, Considering that 
not that you expected to make the team, but that was the plan to make the team. Your focus is on peaking at the Olympics. So how do you balance that? Like I have to be in the best shape to make sure I make the team, but also so that I'm not totally gassed out and burn out for the Olympics. Yeah, it's definitely a balance. And I mean, even the way you run the race is a balance. Like you want to run hard, but you also want to make sure you're getting in the top three. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of similarities to that. And so, you know, that's, you know, Jerry and I just having been really trusting and in the plan that I can show up at the trials and make the team. And so not necessarily having yet to sacrifice the, the later on. And, and I think, you know, at least for me, like I've, I have a lot of experience at this point with running, you know, us champs and worlds or, US champs and then going on and running Monaco or things like that. So I feel very confident with my ability to be ready for the trials, but still kind of be on my upper trajectory to really peak later on. That's so cool. I mean, flashing back to five years ago, I mean, how does that, how does that settle with you? I mean, it's just, it's so much has changed so much experience. It's exciting. Like, and I think that it, it makes me feel so grateful to have had the experience in Rio too. Cause I think that that really, it really changed, you know, my mindset and just really helped me realize what I needed to work on to really dive into the professional ranks and the international scene. Because yeah, I mean, by the time I got to Rio, I was exhausted because yeah. I ran an entire collegiate season. I'd run so many championships, but you know, it didn't mean I couldn't run well. It just that I wasn't, really ready for anything faster than I'd already done. And so, yeah, it showed you what you really, you have to work on. And, um, it is a, it is a fine balance because you can't, you can't overlook any step. And that's something we talk a lot about on our women's team in particular. Um, it's just like, no one's been given anything. So you absolutely have to respect every step of the way, you know, even the smaller meets, there's a purpose to them. But that doesn't mean that, you know, yeah, you ha- you're peaking. It's just, it's like kind of like a respect thing um, for each step along the way and not kind of overlooking any one of the steps. That's a really good way to think about it. I'm thinking through, like, you, Bowerman had a really great showing at the trials. I mean, you guys have so many people, men's and women's teams, going to the game. So congratulations <laughs> for the whole team. It was super exciting. I mean, honestly, like looking back, like Woody and Grant really set the tone. Right oh away. my gosh, they're so exciting! Like, it was so fun. I was in, I was sharing a hotel room with Sinclair Johnson, and we were watching the race, and just, just like the smiles on our faces, and we were just like, like oozing with pride with how well they ran. I mean, gosh, like I mean, that was Woody. I mean, both of them have run the Olympic trials before, but really, like, you know they're still so seem so young in the sport and to show up like that is just amazing. And, you know, they just, they ran with confidence. And when it got to the last lap, I was like, I know they've got this. And so yeah, to start on that tone, I think really like set us up for, you know, what we wanted to get done at the trials. It's, it's neat whenever you can feed off the energy um, within the team. I mean, 5k and 10k. I know it's crazy. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I've kind of followed Woody a little bit through interviewing a lot of people on Bowerman team. And, um, I, I guess I did, I didn't know how fit he was. I had no idea. Yeah. You know, and he's just, he's just been putting the work in over the years. You know, he 
had a couple of years of injury struggle and then I think he's figured out what works for him and um yeah gosh if he's there in the last lap especially he's so dangerous <laughs> but it's like if you look back at like the 5k from 2019 when he ran 1258 like it's just insane so yeah I was I was super proud of him just because I I just I know how much he's worked for it. you know we joined the team the same year so it's it's really cool I mean this is his first his first team so that's so cool. show up at the Olympic trials it, that says a lot <laughs> What were you thinking, though, at the end of the race when Paul Chalima, I mean, Paul Chalima was just like basically like dictating what was going to happen yeah. in that race the whole time. And, and I thought that um, they were so gracious with him at the end. But what were you thinking as someone who's like been in these races watching your teammates be yeah. a part of that? Um, you know, I guess on the one hand, it's good prep for like the international stage. Sure. Because those are the kind of moves that get made. So I would say, yeah, it was good prep. And like you said, they handled it really well. They were gracious about it. And like, I think that shows just the maturity they have. And then additionally, like the respect they have for their competition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was cracking up about that. (laughs) How does it feel? You know, last time we all talked and I, and I got to know you and Shelby and Colleen and Emily, you know, you all went to the Olympics together and now you're the only one in that group and then you but you know now you've got Carissa and Elise and so how does it feel to be the veteran and and the only one back this time but also going with some new teammates as well it's I mean I guess it's a little bittersweet on the one hand you know like it's all happened so fast in terms of like I feel like I've blinked and suddenly like I'm the old experienced one Uh uh-huh didn't expect it to happen so fast. And so, you know, like I was super proud of the way Emily showed up, you know, her, her journey to get to that start line has not been easy. And just the fact that she was there, I think is such a testament to who she is. And she threw herself right in it. And I I mean, I was really proud of that race. And I know it wasn't what she wanted that day. But, um, you know, I know there's a lot more there. And so, you know, and, and I just feel so thankful to have been able you know they those three were all pros whenever I kind of came into the group and um really helped me navigate my way through even with Shelby and Colleen and I being the same age they had a year Mm. of training under Jerry under their belt and so they were just really wonderful with helping me transition into the group and Emily has been somebody who's been an incredible teammate and friend to me the whole time I've been here and yeah, offered a lot of advice based off of things she's learned. And so, um, you know, I'm trying to lean on the way they were with me in in terms of how I'm, you know, trying to like, you know, be there for the younger ones now. Cause yeah, it's definitely, it just like, it just happened so fast that all of a sudden I've been here for five years and yeah, I'm an experienced veteran. And, you know, I think I really tried with just how, emotional the Olympic trials are like you know we run U.S. champs every year but the Olympics only come around every four years and so there just seems to be it like Carissa awarded us like it just seems so much more cutthroat especially with it being delayed a year it just felt like people were very were really on they were ready to take advantage of the opportunity because we didn't know if we were going to get it and so I was really proud of the way they handled them themselves and showed up and they ran with a lot of maturity and um so I'm excited about the group we have going to the games. I think they're, we're going to be really ready. And yeah, just leaning on a lot of the things I learned from from those that were 
um, you know, here and kind of took me in whenever I got to the group. Um, I failed to mention Marielle. She also ran in in Rio. And my mind kind of clumps you gals together because I interviewed you all at once. Right, and then I, in, right. I interviewed Marielle a little bit later. Um, and I know she she raced at the trials as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, Marielle is one of those people that you could anyone could learn so much from. She just, her composure, she's so poised all the time. And no matter what is going on, like she shows up with just – a great attitude. And I think that we all learn so much from that. And just, she's just a hundred percent herself. And I think that that is amazing. Like those are the people you want to be around that are, they're going to be true to themselves and, um, you know, always put their best foot forward. And so, you know, I think as hard as it was that we didn't have the perfect trials on the women's side. You know, obviously in an ideal world, we all would have made the team. I think we're all really proud of the efforts that as a team we put forward. What's it been like for you training this year without Colleen because she was the other steepler with Bowerman? You know, it's been an, it's been an adjustment not having, you know, a steeple training partner, but, um, for myself as an athlete, like, the most room for growth I've, I actually have had is in a lot of the flat stuff. So I really tried to, Mm -hmm. you know, shift my focus to that. Um, and you know, I have some of the best flat runners in the world to, you know, line up with and practice and, and learn from. And so really tried to, you know, set a lot of goals in that area and, and, you know, just continue to develop as a, as a all around runner. So, but, you know, there's definitely you know, the first time you get into a pack of a steeplechase, like when you haven't, you know, hurdled around anyone, you know, things like that, or just, you know, there's, you know, differences between leading and following and stuff. So definitely, you know, some things like that have, have been missed. And, um, you know, she was, a, you know, always showed up in training sessions. So she was always going to push me. And so I definitely missed that. Uh, yeah. Speaking of your flat running, 1450 in the 5k in 2020. So that was a big PR. Yeah, that one, that one felt pretty nice. I think, um, you know, after I ran nine flat in the steeple, I allowed this sort of fixation on my flat running times to really affect the way I looked at myself, kind of viewed myself. And on the one hand, I hadn't really had the opportunity to pursue some of those flat events and really see what I could do. Um, But on the other hand, it was like, you know what, I should be proud. Like I'm a steeplechaser. Like I, it's okay to go all in on something. And so um, getting the opportunity that last summer was, was really fun. And I think it was, it was neat to be able to to challenge myself in something that maybe I wouldn't have had an opportunity otherwise. And so I really tried to embrace that opportunity last summer. And, and also just sort of, you know, I think I had tried to go for the 15 flat barrier earlier in the year at the the Boston meet and came up just short. And a lot of it was just because I think I felt like the race had to play out a certain way and I could only run 72s and all this stuff. And I sort of went into that race finally with, you know what, I'm just going to be really aggressive. I'm just going to go for this. If I blow up, whatever happens, happens. And it was, it was a really good like mental win as well, just to be like, you know what, like going for something can really pay off. Like it doesn't have to be this perfect thing all the time. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a, it's a common theme 
with athletes I talk to, it's like there's there's times to play it safe a little bit and then there's times to like take the risks because like <laughs> if you don't take the risks, you'll never know what the what the ceiling is. I mean, hope wait, maybe we'll never know what the ceiling is, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so um I figured like, you know, why not? Like there's nothing like this meet doesn't really mean anything. It's just a fun summer meet. And like, you know, I knew Elise really wanted to break 15 also. And so, um, when, and, and Shelby and Carissa set it up so perfectly, like it was amazing. And whenever they stepped off, I just went and I remember I ran a 66 next lap. Like, and it was one of those things that at the time I was like, Oh no, what have I done? And I was like, <laughs> oh, let's go with it. Cause it was just, everyone said like, it was the most non Courtney thing that I've ever done just to like, <laughs> just like drop the hammer like that aggressively um but it was just so much fun like and and it was so fun for Elise and I to do it together like I felt us like both tackling this like you know this big barrier together and um yeah it was for as hard as the spring was like, like we had a really fun summer and I was really glad we were able to do that. <laughs> I'm thankful. Yeah, it was super fun to watch all the inner squad meets and things like that. It gave, it gave us all something to do, not just the runners. <laughs> hey friends, a quick break here to thank Lily Trotters for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are looking for a compression sock that is not only cute, but it's functional and it gets the job done, Lily Trotters is the place to go. I brag on them because they're such an amazing business. They are woman-owned, and they have been a proud supporter of this podcast for like five years now. That's crazy. So I'm super grateful for their support. And you know, when you support podcast sponsors, you're supporting this show. So for that, I thank you. Uh, Lily Trotter's compression are strong enough for a marathon, comfortable enough to wear for hours, and they're pretty enough to wear almost anywhere and thin enough to fit in all your favorite shoes. I always say this is a really great gift idea for the runner friends in your life as well. And the good news is, is you can save 25%. That's a big discount, bigger than almost any discount any sponsor ever gives when you go to lilytrotters.com. So go to lilytrotters.com and give them some love, get yourself some cute, comfortable, functional compression socks Use the code ANOTHER at checkout. Okay, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Courtney. How has your confidence changed as far as, you know, you said that running that nine flat, it kind of got in your head about your flat distance running. So now that you got that 1450, I mean, steeples your passion and steeples your main thing, but like, does that give you like desire to do more flat racing? Yeah. I mean, I definitely have goals like in the, in the five and even the 15, okay. I think. Um, just cause like I've gotten a taste of what I think is possible. And I, I don't even think that that was my, like close to my ceiling in those events. So, you know, if the opportunities come about and it's hard to know, like, you know, because on the international stage and I love the steeple so much, that will always be my priority. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, definitely still have goals in those other events too. Cause you know, I, I think the, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons I've run nine flat and been able to do what I can in the steeple, um, in terms of just technique and abilities within the event. But at the end of the day, like it is still a running event. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, being able to feel accomplished as an all around runner, it, it does feel nice. <laughs> so, um, and it does give me a lot of confidence that, you know, like, Hey, like, I feel like I could have contended for the 5k team too. Like, That's you know, so cool. I'm here, <laughs> I'm here because, you know, I've worked really hard to be a good runner, not just because, you know, I went the steeplechase route. You definitely would have been a contender for the 5k team if that's what you were focusing on. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun to feel that way. And, and so, um, heaven forbid there was ever a time I couldn't steeple that I could still try to run something. Uh-huh. You know, you hope that that is, you never want that to have to have to rely on that, but you never know. It's, it's always a relief to have multiple standards. So what does the next few weeks look like for you? Um, so we are back up in Park City um, and just kind of really getting dialed in now. Um, you know, I think I've really had to play the long game this year, which was definitely, you know, my forte. Like I'm definitely kind of the one that kind of slowly builds up and things. But, you know, the, the winter started off a little rough. I um, had a hamstring injury that I was thankfully able to run through, but not really able to train fully through. So we had to make a lot of adjustments and really for the first time, you know, luckily, I guess in my running career, we really had to kind of change what I was doing. I couldn't really do a lot with the team. And so I missed a lot of that, the, the strength, or sorry, I was focusing mostly on strength work. I missed a lot of the mm-hmm. speed and kind of that hard running for a long time. And so really in the last six or seven weeks is when I've really started to find my stride again. And like, I feel like I'm like in a really good spot. So just kind of building off that, I feel like with what I've seen in the last six weeks, it has me really excited to tackle these next, you know, what do we have? I know. Just, just under five weeks. Oh my so. goodness. Might be down to four now, um, which is kind of insane. That's so crazy. I know it's it's happening really quickly, <laughs> but it has me really excited because, um, I mean, just even with the progression I saw from Portland Track Festival to the Olympic Trials, I feel like I can make another one of those jumps. And, um, you know, a lot of that's going to be tackling the speed work and the closing speed because that's certainly my weakness as an athlete. And, um, but I'm not afraid to, to, you know, set goals and tackle that anymore. I think for a long time I was like, oh, I'm not good at it. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to work on it. Like I'm just going to work on the things I'm good at. But, you know, I saw like in the Olympic trials final, like I felt so strong, but kind of lacked that last gear shift for that finishing lap. So, you know, it's, it's fun to know what you need to work on and yeah, we're going to tackle those things. (laughs) So you have to be super mentally sharp to, you know, be competing how at your level. But do you think that last lap that you were lacking that sharpness, is it more physical or more mental? Probably some of both. Um, you know, I, as a whole, like just as an athlete, like the speed side of things is always going to take longer to develop for Mm -hmm. me. And especially since I missed a lot of that in the winter and early spring, um, it's still coming around. Um, and so there's a lot of physical adaptations, but you know, there is a, there is absolutely a mental component to it. You know, I think like as even I said earlier, it's hard sometimes to balance the getting on the team versus, you know, like taking, you know, kind of crazy risks. And, you know, like I have so much respect for Emma as a competitor and, um, she's 
phenomenal. I mean, she has nine national titles and she has multiple medals and just is an all around wonderful person. And I think sometimes when she makes that move on me, I sort of almost expect to fall off. And it's hard, like, it's hard, like, because it's happened so many times to sort of, you know, shift the mindset of like, this doesn't have to be it. And so Ah. um, continuing to even work on that in practice, you know, and and not just necessarily it being her, like now that we'll go to the games, like, you know, if if there's anybody that kind of goes around you in those final laps, like it practicing, you know, it isn't over, you know, you can still, you know, make those shifts and stuff like, so yeah, there's definitely a huge mental component to it as well. But you have the American record. (laughs) (laughs) Does that help? Like in your mental game? Yeah, it does. It gives me a lot of confidence that I that I belong and that I can mm. do those mm-hmm. things. And, you know, even like, I mean, gosh, it was three years ago now, which is That's kind wild. of crazy. <laughs> it's been that long. And like I've grown so much as an athlete. Like I look back on those first two years and like I'm so proud of what I accomplished. But I also was kind of like at times just like blissfully naive about things like I was young, you know, I was 24 and 25, which is really early in, in the professional kind of distance game. And, you know, I think 2019 was definitely a a hard year and a year of growth. And I put together some good performances, but I really, really lacked in the confidence area. And it showed. It showed in, like, how I raced and, in, you know, I really just – really never put together anything close to what I was capable of that year. And, and that was hard. And it's taken a long time and a lot of work to kind of overcome that. And, you know, I think that everything kind of came to head in late 2020 between just the games being delayed and then the, and the hamstring injury. And so I've, I've really worked hard to tackle that and, you know, work on the mental side of things because, you know, you can accept if you get beat because someone was better than you that day. But if you allowed yourself to like kind of be defeated by, you know, like it being a confidence piece that hurts. And I think that that was a really hard thing with the 2019 world championships was, you know, I stuck, I went with our race plan, but at the second half of the race, I didn't believe in myself and, it showed in the last lap and I fell apart and, you know, it was a hard pill to swallow knowing that I'd put all that work in to really not be my most confident self that day. What have you done to get back in, in the right headspace and who, who's been, you know, part of your support system in that regard? Um, you know, honestly, I was pushed a lot by people like and encouraged by a lot of people in my circle to really, finally tackle it. Um, you know, one of them was my husband. We were doing a workout over Christmas break and, you know, I was struggling a lot with the hamstring while I was able to run. It it was a new, I've, like I said, I've been really fortunate to be really healthy in my running career and to feel like something was holding me back was really challenging, but he could sense how anxious I was in the middle of this workout Mm. and we finished it and he kind of pulled me aside. He's like, you're never going to be able to do what you want to do if we don't start to try to figure this out. And that really like kind of 
it was, I guess, hard to hear, but also it was like, I was so thankful he said that because I mean, he knows me so well. And, you know, I think too, like he just finished his master's degree in positive coaching and he's learned so much about that side of coaching and just, you know, of athletes. And so I was like, you know what, like he's right. And so, um, you know, I was trying to, you know, and I'd, I'd worked with a sports psychologist off and on through the USOC and he was really wonderful and helped me a ton. Um, but things weren't getting any better at camp. And so I kind of sat down with Shalane and I told her what was going on and kind of just broke down and was like, I've got to do something about this because it's not sustainable anymore. And so I found a really wonderful therapist I'm working with and like just really tackled it, you know, weekly, like diving in and you know, figuring out how I can be confident in my running again and what I'm doing and, you know, not comparing myself to others. And, you know, just, I was so good at trusting in what I was doing those first couple of years mm-hmm. that there was no doubts whenever I got into the line that I was ready and I wasn't doing that anymore. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been one of the most amazing changes I could have made. And, I'm so thankful that I've had people in my circle that have, you know, really encouraged me to tackle those things just head on. And, and yeah, I think the person I was in the, the Olympic trials was just a totally new Courtney, just so much more confident and just excited and, and enjoying it again. I think that that was one of the biggest parts too, is like, Griffin was like, you've just almost seen miserable for the last like two years. And I think it was just because everything, like it felt like there was so much pressure all the time that I just couldn't even find the joy in it anymore. And that's not any fun. Like at the end of the day, why do we do this? And it's because we love it, you know, like, um, and I, and then that's been, I think the most amazing thing is like, we were, he had come up here for a couple of days to park city and he was like, you just seem so much more free when you're running and he's like, you seem happier and things. And, and it's true. Like I, you know, my runs are, you know, one of the best parts of my day again and, and workouts. I, I find so much more joy pushing myself and, and being okay if it isn't perfect or it isn't, you know, right on the splits and, you know, and there's still times like I'm such a perfectionist innately. And so it's hard to overcome that sometimes, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been a huge, huge positive change. So, Is this a therapist specific to sports or is it just a, a regular therapist that tackles more whole picture stuff? She is specific to like running. Okay. But like does like the whole picture thing too. So it's been really great. Like, you know, it's like, you know, all of life, but also she's a runner herself. So like totally understands like everything to do with running. So how has training changed for you guys now that you have Shalane on as well? I haven't interviewed you since she became a coach. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's been, it's been a really, really awesome thing. You know, I was one of the fortunate ones to have Shalane as a teammate as well and um, really be able to learn under her like when she was an athlete. But it's been such – she's been such an asset, especially for our women's team, you know, just – to have a female on staff and someone you can go to and just have really open, honest conversations with. And, you know, she's worked with Jerry for so long as well that, you know, she's able then to 
relay some of those messages or even just advocate for us. There's times whenever she'll speak up and be like, Hey, you know, I think they're feeling like this. Like maybe we adjust these things. Cause you know, she's very recently been in our uh-huh. So, um, and you know, even, you know, with a lot of the, you know, for myself, a lot of the expectations or pressure situations, like I really lean on her advice because gosh, she did so much in her career and it started at a very young age. And so I think she ran under that pressure for a long time. But yeah, she's been wonderful. I think, you know, I I can't imagine us not having her now. So I'm, I'm so thankful for it. Um, and, you know, for a lot of different, you know, reasons too, I think she's helped a lot of those that are, you know, maybe transitioning back from injury, things like that, you know, like, hey, like, let's do this this week, a little more guidance with... Um, with some of those areas. So let's shift a little bit back into the, the finals of, of the race. And I just kind of want to know like the finish line feelings. We all saw the, the picture of you and Emma and, and then we have Val constant, mm-hmm. uh, on yeah. the team now. I maybe said her last name wrong, but, um, tell us about those moments. Those moments are just, almost like, like, they're just amazing. Like, it's just, you know, this time around, there was this like mixture of joy and relief sort of, you know, like, okay, we did it. Mm -hmm. But also just so much pride, you know, like, even having made an Olympic team before, like to do it, like, you still feel those same feelings of just pure joy and excitement to do it again. And, um, you know, I think Emma and I immediately looking up at how fast we ran and like how we felt and things like that we both looked like she looked at me, she goes, can you believe we ran that fast? And I was, I was like, we did run pretty fast. And I was like, I mean, I felt like I felt like we were, you know, moving and, and like, we both immediately were like, we're going to do something special at these games. Like you just feel it. Like, and I love like the energy we have between the two of us. Like, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's the highest level of respect, but also just like, we know that we're both where we're at because of one another. Like, even though we don't train together, we've pushed each other so much. And, um, you know, I know I still don't like think London would have happened without both of us being there. Like just, there was a greater energy and, and stuff like that. And so, and then to turn around and see Val right, right there and run 918, like it just, I mean, it shows you what she's got in her to show up at the Olympic trials and run that amazingly well like that's gonna set her up so well for the games and so um you know it was just just so much it was just so much fun like to to feel so excited about what's to come as well like just because of how well we ran that day um and it was really neat to share that lap with Val because you know I felt so much of how making my first team was in watching her you know just you know it kind of takes a bit for it to hit whenever you like I and that's how it was for me like you make that first Olympic team and we were you know pretty far into the victory lap and it just hit her and she started crying and you just you knew you knew during the race uh no the victory lap oh the victory lap okay yeah yeah yeah. you're like oh my gosh no like how did she do (laughs) that yeah (laughs) And so, like, it was just really special to be able to share that with her because, you know, we'd, we've been there before and, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, it, sometimes it's delayed in terms of, like, it hitting you, like, what, what just happened. Um, so that was really cool. But, yeah, I think the, the, 
the immediate focus on how excited we were about where we're going in terms of, I think, what could happen at Tokyo, I think was probably the most exciting part. But um, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting to see anybody make an Olympic team. But just what you're explaining with Val, like there is something special about seeing someone do it for the very first time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like it resonates. Yeah, you've been there. <laughs> yeah. Did you realize what happened with Leah? I did. Um, there was a really large, there's a large board. Okay. Like there on the turn. And so like we saw it happen and it's one of like, I mean, my heart stopped in the middle of the race. Like, you know, Leah's one, like I have raced Leah for years and I have known her for a long time and, you know, she had so much struggle for so many years. And just the fact that she got back onto the starting line at the Olympic trials, just so happy and confident, I think was such a win in itself. Like I was just, I mean, thrilled to see her back there and running so well. Um, just cause like, I know the potential she has and just how talented she is. And she ran nine eighteen her first year out. And, you know, she was a part of our crew, you know, Colleen, Leah and I from back in, 2015 that was constantly pushing one another and so um my heart did break for her just because you know I I have known her over the years and you know you want to see that come together for someone who's worked so hard to just be back but you know I was able to talk with her for a little bit after the race and I just told her I was like Lee, I can't tell you how happy I am that just to see you back here and I feel so confident that this is just the start mm-hmm. like seeing you happy shows like the most important part of it. You have like figuring out all the other pieces helps the running come together. And I think, I really think it's just the start. So I'm really excited. I think she's running the Stockholm diamond league. And so it'd be really fun to see like getting into some of these bigger races, like what she's going to be capable of. Yeah. You know, it's such an interesting thing, like trials. Um, you know, you, we were talking about how I, I was asking you if you felt that pressure, like that everybody kind of says you and Emma were a shoe in And we've been watching the trials with our kids, you know, over the last few weeks, which has been really fun. And during, it was the 800 and we were talking about Donovan Brazier and my husband Mm -hmm. was just like, oh yeah, it'll be him. And then uh, Clayton Murphy. And then, you know, whoever grabs that third spot. And my son's like, you don't know that. You can't predict that. You know, you just assume certain people Mm -hmm. are going to make teams, but it's, it's like anything can happen. It can. Yeah. And and that's like, especially what just makes the trial so special is like, even over US champs is like, there's just something more to it, you know, like, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but um, yeah, really anything can happen. And I mean, even I look back on my race in 2016 at the trials. And honestly, when I fell off, I thought it was over because I'd mm-hmm. fallen off by so much. But then you just there's there's just something magical about the trial sometimes. And if you just, you know, kind of take it in, like you can switch it around and really just put together something super special that day. Mm. And it's fun to see that from athletes. And and I think we saw that with Val. Like, I think she saw an opportunity and she just poured it out there, you know, and just left it all out there. And it was really cool to see. I love it. Hey friends, one more quick break here to thank Whoop for supporting this episode of the podcast. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides 24-7 personalized insights around your sleep, recovery, and daily activity. 
Whether you're training for your first 5K, you're a multiple-time marathoner, Whoop can help you train smarter. The way I see it is, is we put so much time into our training, so much physical energy, emotional energy into it, we might as well make sure we're doing it well. We're getting the recovery that we need. What I love about Whoop is they have a built-in feature that helps you and coaches you so that you know, hey, if you've overworked your body, you need a little bit more recovery. You might need a little more sleep and it even tracks your sleep. And it also, one thing I love, it helps encourage you to make healthy choices. You might notice that you're a little more restless if you have alcohol before bed, things like that. It entices you to make good, healthy choices in your everyday life. I know for me, if I have more than one glass of red wine, my sleep is restless and whoop lets me know. So you all can check it out and save when you go to whoop.com and use the code another for checkout. That will get you 15% off. So go to whoop.com, use the code another, and you'll get 15% off your order. Sleep better, recover faster, and run faster. Get to the start line healthy with Whoop. All right, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Courtney. Okay, do you do you have any anything you want to say about Shelby and just like Bowerman has been through a lot in this past few months, and I'm sure that you guys have felt a lot of like I don't know pressure and judgment. I don't know what the words are for it, but just like, where's your heart with that? And what does it feel like going to the Olympics without Shelby? Like, what's the team feel like? Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely feels like we have a hole in our heart, you know, like she is such a big part of this team. Um, just who she is as a person, what she brings to practice, just her bubbly, like, fearless, you know, just excited self, um, you know, just on the one hand, we're just absolutely missing that. Um, but also just to feel like it just is unfair. I mean, I've watched her handle herself through the entire situation. I was one of the ones that knew like as soon as she got the news. And, um, I mean, on the one hand, it just speaks to her character, just the teammate and the friend, and who she was while dealing with all of this and just what she was able, I mean, gosh, I personally probably would have shut down and she showed up every day with a good attitude and pushed herself, pushed her teammates and it just speaks to who she is as a person. And, but yeah, I'd, I'd be lying if, if I said, you know, we were all just okay. Like it's been really hard. Um, it's really hard to see someone go through this, especially whenever we all just, we know she didn't do it. And that's, you know, I know her so well. I mean, I've been friends with her since college. We met seven years ago, and I've been teammates with her for five years. I've lived with her for a significant portion of those times, you know, here at camp. And, you know, I just – I know who she is as a person, and it it just breaks my heart to know she may never have the opportunities now to pursue what she's capable of. And, um we're, we're going to do the best we can to show up for her. And I think that we are running, you know, with that in the back Mm -hmm. of our heads, like, you know, that's, we're going to try to have a strength for Shelby kind of mindset, you know? And, um, you know, I know the last thing she would want is for us to 
deter our own journeys because of this. And so, um, she wants us to do, you know, do the selfish thing and focus on ourselves, but it doesn't mean it's, it's easy. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been hard. It's been really hard you know, I just, it's opened my eyes a lot to just a lot of things within our world. You know, I had heard all of these prior cases and I always, you know, believed those athletes, but you just don't, you don't think it's going to happen to someone, you know, like on a really personal level. And, you know, I always thought I had done a pretty good job in terms of, you know, buying nicer meats or things like that. But, you know, I, I, at this point, don't even feel safe really buying most meat at restaurants anymore. Because, I mean, there's a reality that these types of situations can happen to any, anybody. Like, I, that New York Times article that Lindsey Krauss did said there were 28 cases of contamination, whether it be from meat or prescription medications or even water in the last, since 2016. And I mean, that seems like a lot. Um, and so I think too, we're all just trying to be aware. I mean, it's terrifying to watch her go through this and just feels unfair. And so, but yeah, just trying to shift the focus to running strong for her and, and, and being there for her too. I mean, I'm going to stand by her through all of this because I just, I know who she is as a person. I absolutely have all the trust in the world in what she stands for and her beliefs. And that I just, I know she didn't do this. I know she wouldn't, wouldn't take a performance enhancing drug. Yeah. Like you mentioned, it makes you nervous to eat any meat that you buy. Are you like, I'm eating at home? Like, like I'm cooking all of my meals myself and through the Olympics. For the most part, yeah. I mean, it's it's been pretty terrifying to say the least. Um, you know, I think that you know, I think if I eat out, it's usually like vegetarian or fish anymore because those seem to be the safe options. Thankfully, like at the trials, my parents had an Airbnb, so I actually cooked my meals there. And but you know, there's a I mean, some of those sometimes it's out of your control. I mean, whether you're able to make your meals or things yeah. like that. You go to some of these big races and you're just stuck eating whatever they provide you. And so it's, it's definitely eye opening. And so I, I think it's, it does have me concerned a bit in terms of if that's not, you know, I don't have that control over that because, you know, maybe I'm being really paranoid, but watching somebody go through this, like I, I don't think you can be too safe. Well, I thank you for talking about it and, you know, when we asked you to come on the show, I didn't want you to think that's why we asked you to come on. I, we were we were talking about having you on before. Actually, we actually were maybe going to do this before the trials even. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was finishing up. I actually started going back to school this last year. And so I was finishing up school and you guys had reached out. So it worked out better this timing. But yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to speak on it just because I, I do feel passionately about it now because I, I care so much about, about her. So... That's good. Yeah, I think that the conversation was would have been good before or after the trial. So I'm perfectly happy with this. Um, <laughs> what are you going back to school for? Um, so I started a master's degree in nutrition. Oh, cool. So um, during COVID, you know, I had been working on my master's while I was at UNM and had tried to finish it, but it just didn't work out just because it was an in seat person, uh, in seat program, and. 
I don't plan on being done running anytime soon, but I don't think it's ever a bad idea to start thinking about what's next. And so with COVID just kind of really like making me realize like, you know, what if this Olympic games is gone? And then all of a sudden, like, you know, like I may only have one Olympic site. Like it was just, I started, this thing started, you know, spinning, like, what do I want to do next? And so, um, started looking around and I've, I'd always wanted to, to go back to school and, um, found a program that worked really well with kind of my schedule and it's online and, um, it's been really great. Like I've loved having goals and something outside of running and, and learning and pursuing more. And I think it'll set me up well for then hopefully something beyond running as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your undergrad's in chemistry, so I'm assuming that <laughs> Uh, nutrition. I, I majored in dietetics in college and the chemistry and science part of it was the reason it was so hard for me. So I'm assuming with a chemistry background, it might be a little more smooth sailing. Yeah, it's actually been really great. I was nervous because I didn't do dietetics, but you know, I didn't know how I'd transition in, but it's been pretty like biochem and um, like human biology based, which uh-huh. is very much what I was doing undergrad. So I've actually loved it. Like I've loved all the human biochem and, and I've had some really great professors and I think it's really actually really helped me figure out what my goals beyond running are. Um, so I actually think I still want to try to go the medicine route when I'm done running, whether it's, um, whether it's med school or potentially PA, my sister's in PA school right now and she's loving it. And so I, I'm really curious to see, you know, when she's working in the field, like how that is for her. But I would just, you know, and I think the nutrition um, master's is really going to help me to, you know, hopefully get into the area I want to. You know, I would love to be sort of maybe in like an endocrinology type setting or even just stuff with like research and female athletes. I, I, you know, I'm always been drawn toward that. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been it's been exciting. Like I like had a really exciting conversation with Griffin, my husband, that I was like, don't think this is me like losing focus on my running, but I just feel really excited that I think I know what I want to do after running. Like, and I have goals and things like that. And he's like, no, this is great. Like, I think there's so many times that, you know, you finish a professional sport and you kind of look around and you're like, I don't know what I want to do. And so, um, I'm excited that I've taken the time to kind of think about it and, and pursue some things and, um, yeah, have those goals <laughs> too. Yeah, that has to feel really good. I do feel like when there's another another focus in line, it seems to be really helpful. Um, you know, when it's just not only one thing that you're laser focused on. So when you got your chemistry undergrad, your intentions were to apply for med school. Like if if yeah. pro running wasn't working out, you're just you must be really smart. <laughs> oh, oh. I just. I don't know. I always, yeah, I always, I wanted to be a doctor from a really young age. And so, um, it was actually really hard to kind of give up on that at first. And even my mom was just like, when I told her that I was kind of changing my academic plans to just in doing five years versus like, you know, doing three or four and trying to go to med school, she was like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Like you've always wanted this academic route. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like I have always wanted to be an athlete also. And so it just seemed right. And so, um, I have zero regrets about, you know, changing and putting a good emphasis on running as well. But 
you know, I'm realizing too, and, and thankfully I had a really, really wonderful academic advisor in college that was like, and just even my agent now who has seen, you know, had known people that have gone to med school later in life or even seen runners finish their careers and go on to med school have always been advocates that you can go back. Like it's okay if it's not mm. the traditional timeline, like you should do this. And so I'm really thankful that I had people kind of, you know, making it okay, being like, no, do this. Like you don't have to follow, you know, a certain plan just because it seemed like that was the right thing to do at the time. Who's your agent? Tom Ratcliffe. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, did you see that the woman who won Western States is a pediatrician? No. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh. But it just shows like whatever the trajectory is, it doesn't matter what order you do it in. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Gosh, how does she have time? To I don't know. 100 miler and. The only thing I could think is I don't think she probably doesn't have kids. I can't imagine doing all three yeah. of those things. I'm so, I'm sure somebody yeah. out there is doing it though. Yeah, I'm. I have zero doubts that there's someone else. Oh, uh, okay. Well, Courtney, congratulations and um, thank you so much for giving us your time. You know, just after making the Olympic team. Thank you so much. This has been fun. <laughs> we will talk to you soon, and we'll be cheering for you in Tokyo. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Courtney. Bye. All right, friends, thanks for being here today. I appreciate your support through listening to this show. Big shout out to Whoop, Lily Trotters, and Prevenex for supporting this episode. Head over to our show notes at lindsayhine.com to check out the discounts that those brands are offering you and know that when you support sponsors of this show, you are directly supporting my work, Emma's work, who is my assistant, who has taken over editing the show. By the way, I'm one of those fancy podcasts now that can say this podcast is edited by Emma Benner. Yay. Uh, yeah. So that's big, big news happening over here. Emma's doing the editing now and she's doing a wonderful job. But when you support sponsors, you help those things become possible. So for that, I thank you. If you're looking